With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. No good for me. That's the reality. If you want the honest truth, and I see it every day. You know, I look at myself and think, I'm, because I can't remove myself from it. Yeah, when people say to me, why do you read social media? Because social media got me here. When I had zero following, social media and interacting with fight fans, the public, our customers, that's what got me to where we are. I'm not prepared to not understand what fight fans are thinking or saying. I, I don't get that. And all these, no other promoters are really on social media, really. Like, but I, I'm much too much too, too invested in it. And I care too much. So when someone says something or attacks me, I don't mind being honest with you, it, it upsets me and it puts me in a bad mood. And you take that mood with you. And I always preach. You now, the great thing about people that preach, and I'm one of them, especially to you and to you all the time, I do so many things wrong. Why would I? Listen to what someone has to say about one of my shows and let it affect my mood for the day. Why? Am I stupid? Because I fucking really care. Do you know what I mean? It's my show. I love the sport. I want everyone at home to go, what a show. Eddie's the man. Fucking love Eddie. And what a great promoter. What he's done for boxing. I know he cares about us. I know he cares about the sport. But you're fighting a losing battle. And I should just turn it off. So there's your losing battle. Yeah, that is a losing battle. Worrying about what people say. I think that is a losing battle. Because you really shouldn't. If you believe in what you're doing, but maybe that's a bit of insecurity, being honest. You know, oh, so I finish a show, right? And I'm like this. And if it's a, it's a good show, I'm like, oh, get Twitter up. And it's like, fair play, Eddie. And, and it hurts people to give us compliments now. That's the sad thing. Fair play, Eddie Hearn. What a show. Oh. Like, I feel unbelievable, you know. Eddie Earn, you're the man. Fucking brilliant. Can't wait for the next one. Oh, like that feeling is the greatest feeling in the world. Now, do a bad show, and you know when it's been a bad show, and it happens. Fucking useless, Eddie Hearn, you know. You're, you're finished. You're this. Where's Connor Ben's B-sample? You're corrupt. You're this. You're that. And it's like, you just go, why, why do I bother? This is a sport, a when it doesn't take over your life. Do you know what I mean? So when you're a bit naive to it all, like I look back at Frotch Butte and nights like that, Barker Gill, Brooke Porter, where we weren't, the pressure wasn't on us globally 
as it is now in terms of the size that we've become. And back then, it was just us against the world. You remember in Carson, yeah, you were there, weren't you? Yeah. When we went back to the hotel after, and it was just like, fuck, we've done it. I wasn't thinking about, oh, I've got to leave tomorrow because I've got to fly to Mexico or back to London or to Australia or to Italy or to Spain to do another show. Oh, I, you know, I didn't have 1.2 million followers and everybody's moaning at me all the time. It was just, it was just a, a buzz, wasn't it? You know, it was just, it was great. They're, they're the real great days that I remember fondly about boxing. And the same for my dad. You know, my dad probably looks at nights like, you know, Eubank Ben won, yeah? And, and those kind of nights. Even Mark Reefer winning the Commonwealth title. Like, go back, Johnny Nelson, Marcus Bott, I don't know. I remember nights at the Granby Halls in Leicester, Chris Pyatt, you know, fighters like this. Silky Jones winning a world title. Eamon Loughran winning. But if you ask my dad, I'm sure he'd say the same thing. When, when you become really big and really successful, the game changes. And it's not as enjoyable. That's the reality. And, and the responsibility is different. But back then, like when Brooke beat Porter, it was just us in the bar after. I, I didn't have a care in the world. I just thought, I can't believe we've done it. We've done it. Kel Brooks just won the world title. He's beaten I remember Shaw. a lot of media out there from the UK. There wasn't. Because so. no one really... But boxing wasn't that big then either. Darren Barker, when he boxed, even when he boxed Sergio Martinez, not, I didn't have a clue. When he boxed Daniel Gill, I was there, my old man was in the ring. I'm looking at Michael Buffer reading out the announcements, going, I can't believe... And Darren Barker's won the world middleweight title. I can't believe it. You know, and we, we had this plan out at Simsy's gym in Hainal, you know? But this was before the global business. This was before the global vision. This was before, you know, and that's, that's just where you want to get to. But it, the, the, the role that it plays in your life changes considerably when it gets to that level. Stakes become a lot higher. Probably not fight back tears, probably in tears. Went for a time. I went through probably 2000 and it was probably the end of 2016, I think. Towards, middle towards the end of 2016. A couple of significant moments and changes. My parents splitting up had a big effect on me as well, but a lot of effect on, and it was very messy at times. Um, my brother took it terribly. Um, and lots of things happened there. And then around mid-2016, probably, I started... Um, I was suffering from depression. And at the time, I remember thinking, why? I just, I can remember that, always thinking, why? Why me? Why am I having to go through this? Um, I just always remember thinking that. And then when I started working with Tyson, I knew that was why, which sounds crazy, but I knew that was why. Because I, I, developed, a, I developed, during that period, I developed the capability to read someone very, very well. And I could tell when he was walking down the stairs what type of mood he was in. So all that time I remember thinking, why, why me? Why am I suffering with this? Why, why am I feeling like this? And I couldn't work it out. I had some other, thing, other things going on. 
And I remember always thinking, why, why, why? And then probably in the midst of it all, probably during doing some interviews and people asking, you know, how are you able to, how have you been able to do this? I think I was 24 at the time, a 24 year old. How are you able to um, do, do what you've done with and help him and et cetera, et cetera. People have these associations as every people that do that are the Mickeys of the world, Rocky, out of Rocky and 70 years old, 80 years old with a towel over their shoulder. But probably in the midst of doing interviews was probably when I realised, you know what, that was why. Because I've developed that capabilities and able to help him in that moment and other fighters. I know for a fact there's a lot of fighters that suffer with depression. And even sometimes I won't have the direct conversation with them, but I can tell what frame of mind they're in because I developed a, a capability to read people. And I know, and sometimes I won't even say anything, but I know to keep an eye on it um, and to try and guide them in a way. Some people you can have a direct conversation with, but other people you can't. And I feel like... Um, I suppose that's an everyday battle. Sometimes I still will, will suffer with that. Or sometimes I will struggle with, people will tell me. So at, the, at that time, I, I went and saw a, um, am I spending too much time on one question? No, crack on. I went and saw a psychologist, I think she was, to talk about it. You know, for me, when I do get depressed, I kind of just white knuckle it, you know, hold on. You know, I call it white knuckle because you hold on, your, your knuckles become white because you're holding on so hard. And you just go through, you know, just go through that, go through that tunnel. So I was doing really good and like he would throw a punch, I would block it. And then I was hitting him with these kicks that I learned. And I remember it, they were not effective. Like I, I'd kick him, but it didn't hurt him. And he would, and he would punch me in the face. And I was like, damn. After I got punched a few times, I was like, forget these kicks. I'm going to beat this dude's ass the way I knew how. And I just, I started beating his ass proper. And then I took him down and I just packed his face. And then they had to pull me off him. But I won that. Yeah, brother. I mean, I've always been filled with piss and vinegar um, since a little kid. I've always had it. I don't know why, but I've always, always had it. I, I have like a, a fire that burns like in my chest. I always have. Um, I hate bullies. I hate injustice. Uh, one of my very close friends had this niece. Uh, she was seven years old. She had leukemia. And like, like I, could, I could start crying about that right now if I start thinking about her. Um, she, she beat it, and she's cancer-free now, which is amazing. So, oh, my God. It's really, really traumatic, and um, it's just heartbreaking. You know, this little girl is so pure. She, she's never done anything to anyone. She's the sweetest little girl. And to see her sick and fighting like that, and she was such a warrior. That, that just brings tears to my eyes. girl, I was a bit younger. It's the older days, the, the younger days, I mean. No matter what I did with this girl, I realised. I started to think she had a bit of a problem. I was like, you all right? Like, I saw you do this. <laughs> do I need camera footage? You saw yourself do it. You heard yourself say this. You're saying you didn't say it, or you're saying you didn't do it. It was mad. And then obviously as I got more and more involved with her, and then people that I knew that she knew, people started saying to me, like, yeah, like, she, she's a little bit like, <laughs> when it comes to that kind of thing, she's a bit, 
Yeah, she's a bit mad. Yeah. But again, I'm one of them people. I try to, when I was younger, I used to try and nurture people. I used to try and help people. I was that, lean on my shoulder, I'll help you. I could help someone. You know what they say? Can you see on this? You know, save a hole. <laughs> it was that kind of situation. But um, that was a situation where, like I say, you're fighting a losing battle. You know, I'm one of the people as well. I learn from my past mistakes. That relationship situation will make me see certain characteristics within my friends. You're doing that same thing you did like a couple of weeks ago. Now you're doing that same shit you did a couple of weeks ago. Or you did that to him. What makes you think you won't do that to me? I pick up on things as like characteristics, character traits. So yeah, it helps. It helps you throughout life. So they stopped me. They're like, "What's your name?" I was like, "Oh, like Dwayne. That's my middle name." I was like, "Dwayne." They were like, "No." They started laughing. They were like, "Your name's Anthony." I was like, "No, my name's Dwayne." So like, "Oh, where's my pound?" They started laughing or whatever. Anyway, this had the first fight started happening. Went in my pocket. Obviously, I'm a bit older now, so I pushed his hand. I said, what are you doing? The boy headbutted me so hard in my eye. I remember this eye as well, yeah. So I went, listen, and I saw that. Like, you know when you see like a little flash? I lost my mind. I went absolutely big. This one, like, this is... After this, I started to like generate a bit of a temper. So when I was in school, people in uh, Auntie had a bad temper. He was nice, always laughing and stuff, but he had a bad temper. I lost my... I, I hurt these two boys. Like, I hit one. He didn't get back up for the rest of the fight. <laughs> and then the other one, I was, mm, 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 I was getting nuts. And then I gained a lot of confidence from it. So it's like, that was my defense mechanism. When I was younger, anything happened, <clears throat> anger. I used to get angry so quick. And then, um, yeah, that's the first ever encounter I had where, nah, when we got older, like six form times, these boys, ah, oh, Anthony, what you say, how are you, bro? It was all respect. So sometimes that's how you make friends by fighting. <laughs> and then, the first Lyndon Alpha um, fight happened. Didn't get the decision. I'm like, I won that fight. When I watched it back, I was like, that was a lot closer than I thought. What was I doing? My mind wasn't, I was going back to the wrong corner. <laughs> it's like I was in a gaze. I shouldn't have been in the ring, but I was being so uplifting to everyone around me. Come on, man, let's get to work, man, let's work. Like, blah, blah, blah. But my mind, I wasn't there. My family members in the space of months. And I'm still trying to be a professional boxer. I'm still trying to go out and perform in front of the world. People ain't going to appreciate that. <laughs> They're going to see it. Did he win? They don't care about what's happening in the background. Five family members lost my dad, my grandparents, gone, my auntie. So it's like, when you're going through them things, but you still got to go out there and still with your ambition, you've got to... Life goes on. You know, these people, are, are my family members going to want me to be moping around? Are they going to want me to go out and do what was making them proud of me? All these kind of things. So it's like, the choices you make, I feel like it makes you who you are, really. So me, it's like, there's something deep down within me. It's like, I haven't got no... Maybe it's because I'm a Leo. <laughs> That's why the whole Lions and the Camp thing comes. It's a mentality of, like, things happen. One person that understands me. Sometimes people might hear that I might get... A, if I'm in a bad mood, I might talk to my mum a certain type of way. If you don't know me or you don't know us, people will be like, why are you talking to your mum like that? Later when I go, oh, mum, sorry. It's fine. But my mum's in the mood, she might talk to me a certain type of way. You laugh it off, her, like mum. I kiss my mum, I start annoying her. I start annoying her. Because you understand each other. There's nobody on this planet that understands me like my mum. And my mum allowed me to be myself. That's why, through the good, through the bad, I will always have that homage to pay to my mum because if she didn't allow me to be myself, I wouldn't be the person I am today.
time I delve into my past dark past and think about it, I have to roll back tears. Every time I ever read of a book that I've written, after all back tears, or sometimes they come out. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over a hundred social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Would you call yourself an emotional person? Very. Soft as shit. I can cry like that. Bang. Show any emotion. I'm in tears. I cried over Marley and me. The dog. Ben Stiller and the dog. The Labrador. That died. I was in tears. I cry over The Notebook. I cry over every... All of these little girly movies... I'm a crier. I ain't this big, tough, hard man who's like, no motion, ah, big bald head weightlifter. Like, what? I may appear like it. Look at it. Boom, boom, baldy. But I am a crier. I will cry in two seconds. Not a problem. I'm soft yeah. Maybe would have been a bit happier, to be honest. Because when you've lived in the, in the fast lane all your life and you've been up there and you've done all the Vegas nights and you've done all the big venues around the world and 94,000 at Wembley and, and 60,000 at Tottenham and whatever else. It's difficult to come down to reality from there. Um, so without touching them dizzy heights, they will have had a better balance in life. It wouldn't have been Mandalay Bay to Morecambe Bay, would it? Um, the drastic changes and jumps wouldn't have been as big. So I probably may have been a little bit happier and if I'd have sold the car and made two grand, I'd have been like, yes! Valued it more, you know what I mean? But sort of now, I'm not going to say I take anything for granted because I've worked so hard for everything I've got. Like, double hard. I've had to take a lot of punches, put a lot of hours in. But I think... I don't know. I really can't say if I would have appreciated it more or not. But I would have done what I wanted to do and I've been happy, probably happier that stuck out to me were the showmen. The flashy ones, the arrogant ones, the cocky ones, the likes of Prince Nassim Hamid, Sugar Ray Leonard's, Muhammad Ali's, that type of outspoken, controversial Mike Tyson. Those type of fighters. And I always thought to myself, like, I don't want to be your average nice bloke. I want to be like these guys, the showmen the outspoken, controversial, charismatic. I want to be all of that. And they were the ones that I were attracted to as a kid. Price was the first one because... Price has always been my first love, yeah. Yeah. Massive, massive rivalry. Beat me as an amateur. And then we had this massive rivalry all the way into the pros. He was British champion, I was British champion. And we was going to fight each other. I think it was about 2013. There was an offer on the table. Back then it was massive. It's not that big today. But back on the day, in the day, it was like groundbreaking. We were offered £1 million each to fight. Um, I think Frank Maloney may have put that deal together. I'm not sure. But it was a million quid each on the table to fight both two undefeated British heavyweights from England, northwest of England, Liverpool, Manchester. A great rivalry. And... 
I had to fight, first I had to fight Steve Cunningham and then he had to fight Tony Thompson. Yeah. I nearly got done off Cunningham and he did get done off Thompson. Yeah, twice. And that finished the rivalry, just like a bit like similar to Joshua. Me and David were simmering real good, weren't we? Real good simmering, come to a boil as well. One fight away from that massive, massive showdown. Big, big, big British rivalry. And he got beat off Thompson, then had a rematch and got beat. Then it was done, wasn't it? And the only thing that can control up and down is, is the training. Because when I'm in the gym, I'm zoned in on what I'm doing. I'm focused solely on training for that hour or whatever I'm in that gym for. Then I'm there to do that and I don't think about anything else. But while I'm not busy, I'm thinking about shit. And I'm up and down, like I say, constantly up and down all the time, thinking, what's the point? And then two minutes later, I think, yep, yeah, I'm happy. Like, my bipolar is ridiculous. Like, one minute I'll be looking at helicopters and stuff and Ferraris, the next minute I'm like, oh, this is, this is crap, can't be bothered living. Just what am I doing it all for? Why am I here? What's my purpose? You know, it's, it, is, it is hard. And, and that's why I come back again. Like, I don't care if I've got 50 pence or 50 million. I don't really care. So why did I come back? I'm not coming back for a few quid because it doesn't make any difference to me at all. And I've achieved everything that I ever wanted to do. But why am I back? Because it makes me happy. It makes me feel fulfilled and whole again. It makes my heart whole. And when you took it, when I retired, I was one piece, which is sad, very sad. And that's why Danny Williams is still going for about 10 errors, because he will feel broken when he's away from boxing. Because I met a lot of boxers in my life and sports people who said, if a, woulda, shoulda, coulda. If I would have trained properly, I could have been a champ. I would have been a champ if. I should have been a champ if. And I never wanted to be that. I want to sit at the end of my career and say, I did what I could to be the best I could be. It's somebody's mother, brother, someone's mother, brother, sister, father, whatever. And if they're taking the piss out of them and they're abusing them, it hurts somebody. And I, I was at the, I was a butt of that, and I, hate, I hated it. I think the best joke was <clears throat> some guy was in a coma for ten years and he put the Johnny Nelson Carlos de Leon fight on, uh, and he woke up to turn the TV off to go back to sleep. You know, that was a, that was the joke in the newspaper. I'm like a little cartoon John. I thought bastards. But that was the point where I was low. And I mean, people mock me. You know, people call you a wanker or toss it to your face. It's all right, them do it behind your back, but to your face, it means they've got no respect for you. They've no fear for you. They, they, they just think, what are you going to do about it? Whereas before, they were all over me. In Sheffield, anyway. And uh, that was the lowest time. And uh, went down to the woods. Uh, Russell, he had man strength. Boom, straight on me. He's punching me in the face, and I'm covering my face. Next minute, time! Kenny, my mate, doing time. Time! And round one. 
Russell got off. <laughs> he got off. Then, then, then round two, I run into Russell, bah, 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 in the woods. Everybody's there sh- screaming and shouting. And then, uh, and then uh, um, we had all of each other. We're trying to strangle each other. He said, do you give up? I said, you give up. Yeah, yeah, all right, we give up. Then it was a class as a draw. And then all of his mates that were joining in with him, calling me monkey and calling me all his names. Me and Kenny weren't in our school, picking them off one at a time, slapping them up and just giving them a hard time because they all got brave now because Russell... Russell Brennan, Mr. Mr. Handsome, he'd he'd, uh, he'd been turned over and he wouldn't protect him. Uh, but that's my that is my only altercation in school. We were family. We're family. I don't say my half brother and sister. We were all family. And um, my mum grafted. She was a proper worker. We were skin. <clears throat> and I always remember that. I loved being at home. Mum would say, "Do you want to go to school today?" I'd say, "No, no." She didn't make me go to school. I could go or not go. Um, and I can remember growing up and everybody disappearing one at a time, uh, moving to London. Tassin moved to London. Jeff already lived in, I think he was in America, in New York at the time. Brenton moved, Alan moved. Even Oliver, my younger brother, moved. So there's only me and my sister left in Sheffield. Um, and I, I found it inside. It, it, it made me feel unsettled. Mum and Dad split up. Um... And it made me feel unsettled. And I thought, when I get older, no matter what, I'm going to make sure my kids don't know about debt, you know, about the worries about paying the light bill or somebody knocking on the insurance man, Paget's coming to the door for insurance money, and you're hiding. Uh, don't, I, don't, I want my kids to enjoy being kids. But I used to hear all that when we didn't have money, enough, money to pay the light bill. I used to hear where... <coughs> um, it was, I used to hear mum and dad arguing about not having money to pay bills. And um, so in my head, I thought, when I get older, my kids, I'm going to let them enjoy being kids. Here's a few of them. Uh, I'd say the first one was a time around... Fuck her. Sweet. You all right? Wait a bit. Sorry. Yeah, go again. You good? Yeah. Sure? Yeah. So you asked me, first time I did a whole back, well, tears of grief. And I don't deal with grief very good. <clears throat> I think the first one, obviously losing Brendan, bad, devastating, killed me. Um, and then losing my mum. So our anniversary, first year of her passing this year, coming up close. Which is why um, we've had to cut a couple of times. Um, <clears throat> so, so, I think as an adult, I think grief, um, grief hurts, but grief, grief kills you as an adult, man. It kills you because you, you've got adult reasoning, understanding, thinking, emotions. Uh, and it's that balanced back ability. Um, so, yeah, so I am a bit of a pussy sometimes, but but uh, I don't, I, I struggle before to speak about Brendan. I struggle. Uh, to speak about uh, my mum but it's something that you probably everybody's have to go through it at some point so you've got to try and rationalise it in your head and deal with it somehow Uh, uh, but it's just that's part of life it's part of life like I touched upon it like I feel like until I got till I became an adult till I had my own kids really 
feel like I was super insecure about a lot of stuff. Like growing up, I was always the fat kid. I was always the slowest. I wasn't very good at many sports. So I feel like I always had a chip on my shoulder and something to prove. Um, even being in diversity, it was sort of like, until I got a bit older, I was like, I remember this, <laughs> this YouTube comment will stick with me. Our first rule, right? Someone commented, I love diversity. Race, height, age. They've even got a plus size dance. And I was like, flipping out, give me a break, mate. I was like, what's this about? Really? <laughs> yeah, and then as guys, right? Especially like when I was like, you know, that teenage up to mid adult years, between you and your mates, it's like, it's like almost like a personality trait for you, isn't it? And it's like a bit of banter, they're always chucky, you and always this. And for some for some dudes, mate, I rate them, they could not care less about how they physically look, right? They're like, mate, this is me, I don't care. Da, da, da. Eventually you get to know if you like, just for my health, I want to lose weight. But for me, I always cared about it. And it was always a big thing for me. And then that tied in directly to what I said about always being compared with my brother. Because my brother was always really fast, always really smart, always really good at this. And I used to always be like, so until I got older, that was something that I was always trying to get that chip off my shoulder about. I threw, so I would have been in year, do you know what? I'd just gone into year seven, because my brother was in year 11 at the time. Because I was in year seven, he was in year 11. Get a little bit of confidence behind you, right? And I, I, started, I started fighting back. And then this is where the problem came in. Where I was bigger than a lot of people and this and that, I kind of found myself in a position of, oh, this is relatively easy. And because I was an angry little kid as well, because of like, bullying and stuff like that, I went completely the other way. All someone had to do was blink at me the wrong way. They'd be like, whoa, do you want to fight? Do you want to fight? And like now you look back at stuff when you were a kid and you're like, embarrassed saying, you know, you're like, oh, like, you're a bit ashamed. Like you look at kids, like I was, I was, for want of a better word, a little dick in school. Do you know what I mean? And I think back to it now and I'm like, oh God. So like if I could meet people in school now, I just want to give everyone a hug and be like, I'm sorry. When I lost my mum, um, I became like granite for about two or three years. I wouldn't suffer no one. I wouldn't suffer fools. But I went too far one way, you know? Uh, got very angry about it and, uh, and yeah, um, wasn't very nice, you know, to be around. But that's, hopefully with the people around you, let you come out of that and that makes, the, the one thing is you, you lose an emotion for a long while. You know, I, I, I find it very easy to cry, you know. Not when I'm acting, in life. I remember driving home from Bristol after finishing Robin of Sherwood and I just looked into the mirror and I caught the sun going down me, behind me in the west, in the mirror. And I had to pull over to the side and it's the first time I'd cried for two years after, you know, losing my mum. And I needed to do that because I was... And so it was kind of acceptable that they were looking at kids that came from that sort of world, rather than some chap who'd come out of a, um, a drama college, you know, who was putting on a gold blimey governor accent, you know. They were kind of using, it was more down to earth, you know, it was Saturday night, Sunday morning, was one of the stars, look back in anger, those kind of films and plays that have been adapted for people like us whether you was from Manchester, Liverpool, or from Ireland, or wherever, you know, this sporting life. You know, it was about us using people that came from those situations. So, where my luck started, I came along at that kind of time, at about 78, 79. Um, although I started, I went to college 75, I think it was 74, 75. But 
So I kind of fell into it. This is their dream. The dream is for a kid at the age of 16, 14, 15, 16, is to be a footballer. That's their dream. And all of a sudden, at 16, their dream's gone. It's finished. At 16 years of age, you go, I didn't think too much about it, but I, me and Gary were talking. He went, now, Casey's very lucky. He's got a dad who, who can manoeuvre him, and he got him into Millwall. You know, what name is all these kids? And then we looked into it, and, you know, there's kids committing suicide. There's kids that go back to the estate who get on to other things. Skullduggery, because their dream is over. And he said, well, you know, and Gary said, oh, well, I'm going I'm, I'm to set up an agency. He said, and I'm going to look after... And I went, yeah, yeah, all right. He said, do you want to be involved? I went, no, not really. I said, I've got a million things to do. And the more we talked about it, the more it kind of made sense in a way. And, and I thought, well, you know what? I'm doing what I do, but what else do I actually do? What do I put back? Probably boxed you know? the best I've ever boxed in my life. And I was moving, I was a counter-puncher, you know, as a lot of reps and fighters are. And um, I jabbed this kid's head off all night. And I was slipping him and bum, bum. And I looked and felt really good. You know those moments in life when you feel you've hit it? You found that that moment where you've you've probably reached your peak, actually, probably downhill from then on. Uh, and I boxed this kid's head off, and um, it came to the decision at the end of the fight. And uh, and you know the Repton were well known. You know everyone would say, "Oh, you you box on your Repton box. He's he's going to get the decision." And I never got the decision. I, I lost on the majority. And I thought I knew I'd won, and not only just won, and didn't nick it. I actually pissed it, you know. And um, the whole place was shocked because I was a Repton fighter. And at the end of the night, I got the best fighter of the night award. Now, how can you beat it, the best fighter of the night award and lose the fight? Because obviously, the other kid's got to be a better fighter than you, isn't it? So, and I got this cup called the Marksman's Cup. So, one of my great memories of boxing is that. Uh, at, at about 14, when I got disqualified from that tournament, I felt I was fighting a losing battle. Then again, when I went to the Olympics and beat the hell out of the Korean, and they gave it to him anyway, what you boxing for? You beat the hell out of a the man, they give it to him anyway. Any, any other sport, and I said this on the interview, I said, any other sport, you cross the finish line first, you win. And boxing ain't the case. You cross the finish line first, you still suck. <laughs> so, At that age, though, how did you deal with that? It was rough because I didn't, I didn't quite understand it at first, right? But a few days, as the days went by, I started to realize that if you have faith and you know who God is, God can turn any situation around. And I started to realize that, you know what? This could be a blessing in disguise. People coming here to talk to me, not the guys that want to go medals, they come to talk to me. How could he possibly have already made me bigger than the guys that wanted? I thought I wanted a gold medal. <laughs> but now in hindsight, I'm kind of glad I didn't get a gold medal. Because I became bigger than everybody who wanted a gold medal. So God took my faithfulness and used that worst point of my life, I thought, and made it the best point of my life. But it's called having faith. I was uh, in the first grade. And uh, all of us, everybody in the class, there was this kid, he was bigger than us, he had glasses, he had very tight, nappy hair, and he had big teeth. And he was taller than all of us. And he was mean. 
And all of us feared him. Everybody in the class, I think the teacher even feared him. And he was in just the first grade. So, so what age was that? Huh? What age was that? Ah, first grade, I had about six. Six, maybe seven, I think it was six. Yeah. So, and he may have even failed a year, I'm not sure, but he may have been here back a year already, because he was bigger than all of us. So, one day I came to school, as I was getting off the bus, and how do people notice about me? I don't know. But I was, oh, I know why this time, because I, I was liking the little girl that they, that he had slept All right. right. So they came in and said, hey, his name was Rodney Clark. I'll never forget it. They said, Rodney just slapped Siobhan. Rodney did what? He slapped Siobhan. Off the bus, I go straight to Rodney. Now, we all normally are afraid of Rodney, but Rodney hit this girl that I happen to like. Right in Rodney's glasses. Bang! Rodney's glasses shatter. Rodney loses, lose control, start crying. Up to my, and they sent us to the, well, they sent him to the office. The teacher told him, send me to the office. She's so happy I punched him in the face that she left me alone. Yeah, I'm a bit, I sound a bit ruthless, a bit ruthless even with the thought of depression. I'd be like, I don't think I've ever been like, had a chemical imbalance in my brain where I wanted to kill myself. Definitely not. But um, the days where you got to drag yourself out of bed, yeah. And you just get on with it, man. Just do it. Uh, there's loads of times in my career where I've been, you, f you feel like depression. Like after after the second Frotch fight, that felt like depression. Absorb what you can, learn what you can. Um, and then that, um, yeah, that just, just kept, kept growing, I think. I think the fight in me is the the will to win. And then, and then the pleasure that comes sort of with it. And then once you, and then the thrill, yeah, as I say, from like being a little kid fighting on the, the pro circuit in the kickboxing world to go to Epping Forest Country Club and there'd be lights and lasers and smoke and ring card girls and that and I'm like nine years old <laughs> and they'll ring walk me in and there's like, da -da -da, and I'm fighting another kid. So, I mean, she's perfect. She's my counsellor, so I don't need therapy, so I'm not depressed. I've never had problems throughout my career, just talking over with her. Um, I come to a logical conclusion. She's usually pretty good at playing devil's advocate at times. Um, uh, at the same time, she'd be there to support me. If, if I had to make a tough decision, then she'd be like, yeah, no, you go with it. So she was great. Take off now. Um, definitely riding in the slipstream of David Hay, who at this time is a heavyweight world champion from Britain, pay-per-view star. Mm. Uh, biggest name in, in British boxing at that point. This is like, obviously, before the Anthony Joshua's. Uh, before Tyson Fury had gone to Germany and beat, and beat Klitschko. So, yeah, it was a really good time. Yeah, of course, everyone has bad days and you can have those little bad days. But you have to really understand the difference between just having a bad day or actually, actually thinking about how you're going to end your life is two completely different contrasts in terms of what you are trying to put out so whoever is putting out content in terms of mental health be clear be confident and be very very direct in what you're trying to say but also warn people of what it might be if it is suicide. I remember as a child uh, boxing wise was seeing my dad uh, fight a opponent called Chris Blake at Fairfield Halls in Croydon um, I remember that vividly because I jumped into the ring after. I was, thinking, I was about eight, 
seven, eight years old or something like that, maybe, maybe a bit younger, I can't remember the actual age. Uh, but the, the one fight that sticks out for me was when he came back after retiring, um, came back and won a British title against Lloyd Christie. And that was in Birmingham. And I jumped into the ring uh, about sort of 11 years old, like jumping up and down, just absolutely in awe of my dad. Mental health has got a very, you know, not bad aura around it, but it's not really positive where it can actually go to. So yes, everyone has, you know, may suffer from mental health, but it can actually go to a more of a, a positive place in terms of how you use it, how you come back from it. How do you respond from where you was maybe once upon a time to where you are now? And that's what, we, what I try and push out. I've, you know, I've interviewed people like Dwayne Johnson, AKA The Rock, who's a multi-millionaire, an absolute superstar, Hollywood. <laughs> that's just, that's just keep it there. He's absolutely Hollywood. And for when that man can sit in front of me and say to me, well, do you know what? You know, I, I still suffer from depression, Leon. Yeah? It can happen to anyone. It just depends on what your journey is. And also understanding the trauma that you might have had in your own life. You know, I've got childhood trauma from things that have been personal that have happened to me in my life. But it's not a feel sorry for me story. That I'm trying to get away from, you know, people coming, oh, stop feeling sorry for you. It's not about feeling sorry for myself. The reason why I do all the talking that I do is because I know there's so many people out there struggling for their own journey, through their own reasons of trauma, whatever it is, or careers finishing, or, you know, divorce, or, you know, missing your children, or whatever it is, there's triggers in us all. So when those triggers are activated, therefore, it can put us in, in really vulnerable places. And that is why I speak today. Talking is the best therapy. Talking is the, the power for you to not only get that rehabilitation within yourself, but to, to produce that kind of positive energy. During COVID, I pruned a lot of friends and I, I spent a lot of time on my own. You know, I mean, I live out in the countryside and I think there were seven weeks when I didn't see anyone at one point. Um, when the weather's warm, I just went paddleboarding. I did a lot of things on my own. I had a lot of transformations during COVID in terms of learning to be on my own, um, which, which is a really important thing. Learning canonical ownership of your life, not having to lean on other people to do things. I feel like an underachiever in lots of ways because I've stayed in this one industry I'd like to have done more music as well. I mean, I'm learning the piano at the moment. I wish I'd started years ago. Um, but self-discovery pays dividends. I've got some, some lines on my whiteboard at home, in my kitchen. I've got big whiteboards with plans and all those kind of things. I've got several lines I try and follow as, as pillars of my belief system. And self-discovery definitely pays dividends. Be tearful about it, um, but I, I, I'm very good at dealing with a crisis. And I think there aren't tears because I, I, I don't think I cry a lot because going away to school at 10, when you suddenly feel like you're cut from the umbilical cord to boarding school, you, you, you tighten up very quickly and get over it. And 
you know, you're in a boarding house with 30 other boys and growing up in that way, and it's Lord of the Flies, it's very tough. It, 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 it didn't feel it at the time, but when you look back, you know, I've probably got a few syndromes from going away, but as I said, I've grown close to my parents as I've got older. Um, and you, you, you probably learn to stiff up a lip at school. You know, I was the last person to be caned in my school when I was 16. I used to have things called gatings. I was very, very... What's uh, gatings? Gatings is when you have to get into your military fatigues at lunchtime and run five miles down the riverbank. Um, I, I mean, I did it. You know, um, we, 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 were, we were smacked and caned and when we were little and so it doesn't happen now. But I look back on it, I just think, oh, it did was... Sports Social Podcast Network.